0: listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number 1 weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie Truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering innovation and education. G'day, it's episode 118 of On The Road, thanks for joining us once again. This week we've got a warts and all three-way chat fest when Mike is joined by outback trucker Yogi Kendall as well as supercars legend Greg Murphy recorded live as they wandered around the TMC Truck Industries Truck Show in New Zealand. They rabbited on about road safety on both sides of the ditch and a whole lot more. We'll introduce you to some great new Aussie music from hot new talent Stuart Barton as well as a ripper new song from the great James Johnston. Later on in Something to Talk About, Mike shares the opinions of Frank Black regarding the danger of dispensing with The Work Diary and adds his own flavour to the topic as well. We've got all the latest from the On The Road newsroom as always. With that said, it's all systems go. So,
1: let's get this show on the road!
2: Yes, get over that!
3: G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Truckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening <laughs> to the big rigs on the
4: road, right? <laughs> Across the nation, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, australiantruckradio.com.au. Walking around in the TMC truck industry show in Christchurch, Yogi and Fred Murphy. Now, I got to say, mate, I haven't seen you in a supercar for a while. What have you been doing since then? Why didn't you watch Bathurst? Uh,
3: No, No, I was trucking. I was trucking, mate. You didn't watch Bathurst? No. I was there this year. Were you? Oh man, was he there? Right, thanks for the interview. (laughs) wrap this up,
4: we're all done here, not, like, nothing to see here, <laughs> I do know, I thought you two were up on yeah, your research issue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, look, I, what I did last night, I'll tell you I'll tell you straight up, uh, uh, can I call I, you Murphys? Yeah, you can, I can. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know if I should let you now, but, no, yeah, no, I, can. No, no. Right, man. Well, I did last night, Thank a bit, you, of Mr. Re- Murphy. bit of research last night, <laughs> no. and I, I googled Murphysms, wow, I've never done that. Haven't you? No, oh, don't do it.
3: <laughs> There's uh, a whole lot of porn come up or something. <laughs> no, mate, no, no. Most disappointing. <laughs> what, a, what a start to the interview. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, all, We've done a lot of podcasts
4: over the course of the years and this is an interesting start. This is yeah. an interesting yeah. start. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so we've really taken it to the guests. With, what was a great idea and what was proposed to me yeah. was that the three of us with our vast driving experience between the three of us, and yep. was a little bit. You guys know
5: more K's than I have, but anyway, yeah, you've done uh,
3: them a lot quicker than we have. No yeah, true. yeah, true,
4: true. So you've been race
5: faster. car
3: driving forever, or, or yeah, it, it, yeah. I started when I was. Um, I've, I've known you for a long time, but yeah, yeah, you know, like we're in in what you've done. So, but so I started. I started, I pretty much started racing cars. Oh,
5: uh, end of nineteen ninety,
4: yeah.
5: and I became full time in Australia, and I suppose inverted commas professional. Yeah, probably ninety five. Okay, and then raced. In a professional nature until the end of two thousand fourteen. Yeah. And then I I, I packed up shop and and that was the last time I raced in a professional capacity. Okay. Um at Bathurst. Uh it was actually the Gold Coast. Gold Coast five hundred in two thousand fourteen was my last professional race. Yeah. And then yeah, I sort of parked it and went off and did other things, moved back to New Zealand and been doing racing just as a on an amateur fun space here mostly in New Zealand and then took on a whole lot of other roles and things here and around a lot of it to do with road safety yeah. and uh, yeah. and working with a whole lot of different brands like Autosense Autosense is a company that I've been working with for a long time The Guardian by seeing machines distributors here in New Zealand Yeah. so and that's just one of the sort of uh, strings and what I do in my bow yeah. but I I did racing in a wild-card entry at Bathurst this year, 2022. It was a wild-card entry put together by Peter Addison from Boost Mobile. So it was a one-off thing, out of the blue, never planned. I was pretty much done and dusted with driving and, and racing. Do you like going back to Bathurst? Like, so as well, it, I never planned on it. It was all a bit of a shock, really, yeah. because it's eight years since I raced yeah. there.
3: So I had done. I was done. Does it done. feel good? Does it feel? It was amazing to get back in the seat. Like, it was, like, but I, I was very I, nervous. Like when I run the paddock, I go across the Nullarbor. I, I don't like the idea of going across the Nullarbor, and then I get into the idea of going across the Nullarbor, and I kind of enjoy the idea. What do you call it? The paddock. The, the paddock. paddock wow. Running the paddock. Wow. Yeah. Punching the paddock. Cool. So crossing the paddock, but I guess that it might be the same because it's taxing on you as a person massively. Basically. Again, you you got to think. It's like you
5: retiring from driving trucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you you don't drive one for eight years across the Nullarbor, you, you know, and oh, you might occasionally drive a, a tiny little rigid or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Some and, and, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden something, hey, yeah, we need you to do that. And you go, oh, okay. Yeah, step up to
3: yeah. the big deal. Because right, oh. right. it is, it is. For right. the non-sporting people in Australia, yeah. Bathurst is the grand final. Oh, is, 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 is there someone who's... And then non-sporting people no. in Australia. Well, the codes, the football codes. And it is the day that you sort of look forward to as, you know, as a... But this year you two didn't.
4: Well, well, we're trucking, mate.
3: Yeah, oh. I know. See, this is a cast twenty-two. me too. As truck drivers, we miss so many things. Yeah. You know? Wife's birthday. <laughs> <like> Bathurst. Kids <laughs> first. <laughs> kids. I was running a road train out of Perth and I nearly missed my first one, but we managed to get there. We managed to win 10 days early too, which was not my fault. I too. But then she turned up with no bag and clothes or anything like that, but anyway. Sorry, Amanda, I can't control
4: it. You know what it's like.
3: what in in V8s, was there a golden era? Did you enjoy a certain amount of time as watching the TV? Yeah.
5: Really, I don't think too many people would disagree. I reckon our golden era was probably late 90s through for the next 10, 12 years. So. The Ford Holden battle, which yeah. was going before that, yeah. but the rivalry and the strength of the sport, the strength of supercars, the popularity of it, and the investment by both Ford and Holden yep. through, uh, let's say, sort of this ten-year period, yeah. was intense. Yeah. It was full-on. You know, you bled blue or you bled That's red, right. and That's and right. and the rivalries were over the top, yeah. right? It's like what we sort of still we see today with with some other sporting codes, how the fans, the passion for them. We yeah. went through a period where the passion, yeah. passion was insane and yeah. Queensland, new south wales yep yep Iraqi yeah. Least, yeah absolutely yeah. right yeah. so you've got the state yeah. origin yeah. thing that's yeah. that's what it was like every race meeting okay. for for yeah. 10 years and, and i was through that and yeah. i was holding through and through yeah, and I know, yeah, I yeah and um yeah and that was yeah. really immense time to be a part of the sport so i feel very fortunate to have had yeah. that. yeah, yeah
3: good yeah mm-hmm. no, it's great it's good to see you've taken on a role yep in road safety and I guess pursued on the career that's it's treated you well. Yeah, it's given you a boat to row, yep. and then you pushed on through it into into road safety. So we're pretty happy to be talking to you in general. I sat here and listened to you yesterday afternoon, and it was fantastic. Got sunburn in the South Island sun. Oh, Are you I, okay yeah. with that?
4: Yeah. I was stupid enough to say the sun in New Zealand's got nothing, mate. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. yeah. So you got a few years on me, and I'll, I'll learn to. Well, I
3: know right. when to hold him, know when to fold. I was moving a bit slower
4: than you, mate. Right. I, just, I just was. So I was
3: really good here yesterday, and I, I managed to come up and say hello yesterday yep. afternoon, and I'd appreciate seeing someone of your stature chart, like, yeah. pushing forward into, the you know, so hence why we're here. To start. Yeah, well, it started a long time ago for me.
5: I started getting phone calls um, when I really started to take a lot more notice. I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, whatever. I was a living, still living in Australia. I was getting phone calls, I suppose, because, you know, I was a known sort of person over here yeah. uh, in New Zealand. Yeah. I was getting numbers like oh, around our road toll, like, oh, yeah. all this kind of stuff. and I, So I started paying attention. They're like, you know, what do you think's wrong? And, and mm. I'm like, well, oh, well, people don't know how to drive. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're yeah. making bad decisions. The kicks <laughs> in. Yeah, and, and, and then it's just growing and growing and growing. And now it's one of those things that it really makes me so angry yeah. on a regular, probably a daily on basis. Daily. Yeah. But for what I see and what I know mm. and what I've learned, the bureaucrats are just spending our money yes. willy-nilly all over the place Completely unaware of actually what the real issues are, yeah. And yeah. currently, we are stuck on this tunnel vision around speed, yeah, and around changing yeah. outcomes, yeah. Not stopping people from crashing just reducing the damage when they make mistakes and we're not about the drivers we're not about teaching the drivers not what we're not about educating the drivers not about making the drivers more aware it's not oh no 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 we don't and they go oh we've got research to suggest that that's not what we need to do it's like where's the research how old is it who did it and
3: let's sit down and talk about this and and, around around the speed like you've driven out of darwin you go 10 minutes out of darwin 130 yeah well, the speed limit's 130. Yeah, but I yeah, see cars yeah. off the
5: road in yeah. places. It's got nothing yeah. to do with speed. I no. know people well, are making mistakes. They're pushing, mistakes. For, that. They're pushing yeah.
3: for that in trucks as well, that they're dropping yeah. the speed. I think, And the big push for trucks at, at home in Australia yeah. is, is I think is coming from major corporate, but yeah. you drop 10Ks, you drop... X amount of fuel yeah, consumption, consumption you know? yeah. So yeah. so there's no issue on speed, it's more about fuel consumption. Yeah, well like speed that. limiting demand always been something it's just completely senseless. Yeah it is. Because so it you know, surprises me as an outsider looking in to see that the government here is dropping the speed. Well see they're not see they've gone and
5: called our current road safety strategy road to zero. Yeah. So zero deaths on our roads by 2035 or 20-whatever-it-is. Yeah. So
3: zero. Yeah.
5: Zero harm. Yeah. So they've gone and set themselves up with such a bad goal, yeah, bad. right, and they're literally sticking to this. So now they've achieved in the last three years zero of their KPIs. Yeah. Zero. They, yeah. And they've spent $1.9 billion <laughs> yeah. on giving us terrible, terrible yeah, advertising yeah, campaign, campaigns. And, and, yeah. and, and so they're not achieving yeah. anything. So it's yeah. like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay. Like, just speed, speed, yeah, speed, speed, speed. speed. Speed's they speed's don't kill. care about injuries. Yeah. Injuries never get yeah, never get mentioned. Talk yesterday, they never, mentioned get, never get brought up. It's death. So if we reduce death, but we've got more injuries, that's not an issue. What did you so say yesterday, waiting, there's yeah. a cost on a road death? It's just, estimated about $5.1 million to New Zealand as a loss.
3: You said the $400 course that you could do yeah. would go
5: way more advanced yeah.
3: than putting a cost Yeah, like so
5: you, know, you, you put a cost on, on one death, $5 million. Well, give us the $5 million and we will reduce the risk, and yeah. we will start a process that builds young drivers and gives them this awareness. See, they're scared that we're going to go and yeah. teach them how to drive fast. Yeah. We, yeah. We're going to teach them the most basic skills that they need in a practical sense, yeah. not in a yeah. theoretical yeah. sense, yeah. right? In a practical sense to understand yeah. what ABS is, yeah. understand what yeah. tyres are, yeah. you know, what the limitations on physics are, what physics of a motor Why you need a grip? why you need grip, <laughs> how, you need how long it takes to stop and why you yeah. shouldn't pull in front of a truck at 100 yeah. k's and stand yeah. on the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, So we're about giving them this cognitive learning because we understand about the frontal cortex of the brain everything. and everything and you heard yesterday yes. Nathan Wallace talking Fantastic. about how the evolution and the growth of a, a young male's brain depending yeah. on if they're
3: first born, second born, third yeah. born in
5: yeah. a family how long it takes to evolve that frontal cortex into
3: fully developed. And 32, second, 32 years old. Not, second, not a first born, second male. 32 years before you develop.
4: Right. Female, 18. Yep. Yeah. And so the risk... Well, that it, explains right. why I rolled H.J. Monaro seven That's times it. in the paddock. There
5: you go. There well, you see, go. You didn't learn.
4: No, I did it. after that. Yeah. So there's, there's so much to it. There's yeah. a lot of science
5: to it. There's yeah. a massive amount of science yeah. to it. And we are so basic here. Like, in many cases, the same in Australia. Australia's got some better things around learning to drive. And, and certainly regulations and rules and, and all that kind of stuff are, I think, better and stronger. Although, you're still having a lot of the same issues, yep. right? Yeah. So neither of us are doing it well. And we're not doing it well here at the basic learning and um, what you need to do to get a licence yeah. here is just, it's lunacy. You are asking for yeah. trouble.
4: And then they get their provisional plate in Australia, yep. the red pea plate. Yeah. They go out and they drive on their own. All of a sudden they're off the chain. That's right. we have grown up. Yep. Yeah. We don't need to do any more training. That's right. The next time we have to do something is if there's some sort of a medical issue down yes. the track or you get to an age where the government have decided that you need to be checked. Same here. And that's okay. just fundamental But right. here,
5: when, here when you can learn to drive. Yeah, and get your be on your restricted, which is the Ps. Yeah, there's no restriction on the car you drive.
3: Oh, really? Like you a, can have yeah, a thousand in, horsepower body Commodore. Same in Western Australia, like because yeah. uh, everyone in Western Australia's got a V8 Are you? Land Cruiser. Yeah, yeah, you know? like yeah, yeah. it's just, it's stock standard. So. So my 16 and a half year old can step straight into a VA, no dramas at all. <laughs> wow. There isn't, but on the east coast there is.
4: Yeah, we have a yeah. few rules in New South yeah, Wales yeah, around engine yeah. capacities and things yeah.
3: like that. So but then we, yeah, we, yeah, we get the diversity. So
5: there's no rules here about that, yeah, and we're we're very weak on, you know, really controlling that as well. Okay. Um, you know, the police really don't have as, as much control as what I think they need to have. They need yeah, to actually yeah. have more. Control. Yeah, they've got a lot to do. They've got you a lot, know, way too much. Yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. way I too much.
4: You know, the thing that I had the most difficulty with about learning to drive. Yeah. That you get your learner's license and you get in the car with mum and dad. That's correct, yeah. Right? Yeah. And they'll put the tribe of kids in the back seat and all the camping gear in the boot. Can I drive, Dad? Oh yeah, no worries. And they don't get any real formal training from someone who's in Yeah, we
5: don't we're not required here to do any either. So <laughs> yeah. so what kids do here, twelve months on your learners, which is now sixteen, It got raised from fifteen quite a while ago now, which was a good move in my opinion. Yeah. I, yeah, think, yeah, I think I yeah. think sixteen is the earliest it should be, personally. Yeah. And again we talk about that cognitive learning in the yeah. brain, frontal yeah. cortex. I mean, I, I remember when I was sixteen years old, you know, yeah. driving around yeah, Hawkes yeah, Bay. Well I mean, mate. Ten foot tall, bulletproof. That's yeah. right. Absolutely ten foot and I had a crash when I was eighteen. Honestly, like fatigued, shouldn't have been driving. Yeah. Had alcohol in my system. The whole thing. Yeah. Everything bad. I wasn't drunk, but I was had alcohol in my system. Yeah. Late at night. Uh, driving a road that I've been on a thousand times.
6: Oh, you know, just yeah, driving
5: along. wasn't yeah. actually speeding, and I did a lot of speeding. Yeah. Oh, in a small car. I'm in mean, a Datsun 1200, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. a speeding is, <laughs> is 100 kilometres an hour. Yeah. And I lost control and uh, went off the road went into some trees oh. in a Datsun 1200, Yuck. the 1972 model, you know, and this is 1991, and injured the passenger. Mm. Got charged with careless use-causing injury, the whole deal. And I tell you, man, I mean, that's fate. Like, fate... Determined that day because yeah, if I'd yeah. hit the tree five k's faster three inches further forward yeah, on it, yeah, yeah, the passenger probably would be dead Yeah. and this is the thing that people don't yeah, understand is when it goes wrong and you have at that moment have no more control yeah. over the vehicle you are at complete and utter fate of physics well
4: on that subject we had a tragedy just up the road from where I live in Sydney. Yeah. Only recently where yep. five teenagers lost their lives in a Navarra Navara. There you go. Because of inappropriate speed. Yep. Not speeding, yep. inappropriate yep. speed. Yep. Yep. And that's and, a really good term actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, lost control of it and collected some structures on the side of the road and five teenagers yep. lost their lives in our little community. It yep. was just devastating. Yeah, and we we've we have that here all the time. Yeah. I think there are a lot of ways we can go about making some changes. Yeah, before we get too much into depth, I've got to go and
3: back at tipper and dog at 10.30. Good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> <Good luck with laughs> I know. So I've, I've done me truck driving. What have we got? So I have got yeah. 10 minutes to yeah. wander across the road there. I know, I've got nine wrong out of 35 questions. It's not bad because I don't hold a New Zealand licence, so I'm pretty happy with that. Oh, that's a And then we're going to go back and Tipper and dog. But, Murph, thank you very much, mate. On, yeah, Great to meet you. To, yeah, I'll leave you with the serious questions with oh, the big trucker. You're going to yeah. have to add in the results of this uh, <laughs> later on, Mike. You will. We yeah. will. Yeah, when I'm walking away with a wad full of
5: New Zealand dollars. <laughs> 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 which, which, when you convert it back to old's, will be nothing.
4: Yeah. All, all old's say to your buddy Yeah, that like they didn't even let me enter. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know if that was a good or a bad thing. <laughs>
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
4: Were we before we were so really oh, into the
5: uh, yeah, so we podcast, The Depot. Yeah, um, that we do here as part of um, AutoSense and Eyes Up NZ which is a brainchild of uh, AutoSense and we're going to be doing seminars actually next year we've been doing a bit of stuff through Eyes Up NZ to just it's again it's awareness thing information yep. Yep. doing seminars with industry but also next year we're, we're doing seminars with young drivers and parents as well yep. uh, around some of the teenage brain learning and understanding the teenage brain a bit yep. we've already covered a little bit about that and how it works and how it functions and the decisions that it makes and why and, yep. and which parts of the brain do what when it comes to driving which is incredibly interesting to understand it really interesting for parents to understand it so that when they are actually with their kids trying to teach them to drive they actually got a bit more of an understanding of why things are happening and which part of the brain's doing what so hopefully it will make it easier in some respects to be able to support a young driver through those challenges and it's massively challenging we do not put enough emphasis on how risky it is and how important it is to actually understand and have those skills to actually navigate safely yes. through the process of getting a license and driving on our on the roads.
4: Well, it's one of the most dangerous things we do in our daily lives. Absolutely, it is. And, and we,
5: but we don't in Australia, New Zealand. Let's just talk about those two countries. We're not putting enough emphasis yeah.
4: on it. I always find it horrifying when I'm driving around. I drive a nine oh nine Kenworth as a daily drive. Yeah, big truck, a lot of blind spots and uh, the things that you see from the cab sometimes just blow me away and particularly from new drivers and it strikes me that a lot of drivers get away with some bad behaviour on a regular basis until sooner or later But if you get away with it, you don't know that there's a problem Yeah, but sooner or later they get caught out That's right And you can do a lovely pit manoeuvre with a a 909 without even trying Yeah and there's that much road furniture on the side of the road that can cause some serious problems. Everyone seems to like Armco Rail and reckons it's safe, but I'll tell you what, no. it does some damage. Yeah, but this is the thing. There's so many parts to this this issue and problem
5: for people to understand. You're exactly right with what you say. When you've got a bad habit that you don't know is a bad habit... Yeah. You can go through years. You could go through your entire life, yeah. and all the little pieces of a puzzle that need to come together for that yeah. bad habit to actually be the cause of a situation yeah. or a crash or yeah. something you've got to avoid. Yeah. That's what it takes, and that's the thing that people don't really understand. They don't know that they are doing something that, at a certain moment in time, yeah. could be the catalyst for, you know, for the worst possible outcome. Yeah. So it's it's about what you don't know, yeah. right? most drivers are driving with a whole lot of what they don't know. Indeed. Right? Which is just waiting to come together to cause that moment. And it will happen to you. If anyone thinks that it's not going to happen to them, all these kids, as you talked about that crash before, that kid driving that car, he never thought, or she, or whoever it was, (laughs) and never thought, why is it going to happen to me? He never thought that something bad was going to happen to him. And now, the worst has happened. Yeah. Right? And everyone asks questions. Go, how did this happen? Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Yeah. and, And it we just go on. You know, I had a question the other day. We had nine people die on our roads over, I think, over a three-day period. Over a weekend and a Monday, I think yeah. it was. Only like a week and a half yeah, ago.
4: Yeah, I, I read the newspaper article yeah. last night.
5: And I got phoned by the media and they're like, why did this happen? What's the cause of this grouping of such a high number of deaths? I'm like, that's fate. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. You know, you'll have a week where no one dies. And then all of a sudden, you it's just because of the way we operate. Yeah. Some days it comes together. Some yeah. days all these things come together to create these situations yeah. and if one of those factors didn't present on any of those crashes that caused all those deaths, yeah. the outcomes would have been different. And We've just got the wrong people making decisions around rules and regulations and where the money's spent, the wrong people who don't understand that. They don't understand. They think they're doing the right things, but at the end of the day, they're not experienced enough to understand the physics of it, the decision-making, the brain. You know, they should come to our seminar and listen about the brain and how it functions so they could have a better understanding of why they need to not do the things they're doing and and expand on the thinking around road safety because people go, oh... Make sure you drive safe. Oh, okay. So what, what does that what mean? does that mean? Yeah, what does that what mean? Does it mean? You go and ask a teenager drive safe. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. What what do I? How what do you do? Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's not explained. It's just the phrase. Yeah, it is. And so you know, my standing on my soapbox... I've got a voice that does get heard more than other people that are trying to do exactly what I'm doing yeah. over here. Yeah. And so that's what it is. If I can get attention because of what I've done and who I've been and where I've been um, to try and get some change, then so be it. But I stand for all the other people that are also trying to do what I'm doing here.
4: And I fully appreciate what you're doing, and I appreciate you doing it. Same for <laughs> you guys on the other side. Yeah. I, it's not often I get to talk to someone who's, who's done what you've done. I'd love to have had a go at a supercar. <laughs> right. no, really? You and quite a few others. Mate, yeah. I've got a son-in-law who's got a BMW who takes it on track days. Yeah. And he won't let me drive it. Cause he <laughs> he's scared you're going to show him up. He, no, no, no. Ellen, he's scared <laughs> I might put it into <laughs> the scenery. Yeah. But uh, he's pretty quick. And um, unfortunately, he's of an age now where a professional race driving career's passed. Him. Sure.
5: But as long as he's getting his buzz and his thrills and adrenaline, he's doing it on a track in fun. a controlled environment, in a controlled environment, That's so right. it does go sideways. And there's nothing stopping yeah. these other young drivers who love to drive fast and speed yeah. to go and join a club and go yeah. and do these things on a track. Okay, yes, where I live, there's nothing close by, all that. We can't use that as an excuse because yeah. the roads are not racetracks. No, they're not. And, and you know, again, it's this thing about oh, it won't happen to me, it won't happen to me. It's yeah. like, well, it will and it can at any given time. And it's not just you yeah. that might suffer. It's everyone else. It's the innocent people yeah, well, as well that are suffering, who are, are
4: doing nothing wrong, driving along, minding their own business. Yesterday, there's a simulator over there behind the truck safe trailer, and uh, mm. you can have a go in there, and there's a simulation that they run in there, which I did yesterday, mm. which is a, a distracted driving simulation, and it shows you what goes wrong when you ta- start trying to text while yeah, you're yep. driving. Yeah, Now, mate, I've done millions of kilometres driving, yep. millions of them. Yep. And I honestly think I'm above average as far as yep. driving goes. I really do. Sure. Because I can read the traffic sure. pretty well and, and all that sort of stuff, just like you could read the traffic on the road. And it doesn't
5: come down to if you've had a crash or an auto yeah. crashes. It doesn't
4: come down no. to that. It's experience. It's experience. Yeah. 1,000 kilometres a day I yep. do usually. Yep, yep, So anyway, that aside, I've jumped in this thing, and it's a car, which is fine. I'm driving because I drive a car too. And the idea of the simulator is you'll drive along for four or five minutes, and the simulator measures how you maintain the vehicle in its lane, how you maintain the speed, whether you're using your indicators and all that sort of thing. You're just driving down the road. And I'm doing fine. I'm very well doing that. It's great. Yep, yep. And then they send you a text message, which you've got to look to your left slightly to read on the screen. Yep. And the idea it is you've got to read the text message out loud and then count the words to answer the text and then push a button on the steering wheel. Yep. And they do it to you over the course of like 10 minutes or so. Yep. And... It's eight or ten text messages, and some of them appear when the road's nice and straight, and some of them appear when the road's not. And I was amazed, mate, I ended up on the wrong side of the road twice, yep. over the white line, yep. and the only reason why I didn't have a crash was that there was nothing for me to run into at that time. at that moment. That's right. Fate. That's right. As you say. That's right. When we did the score at the end, they bring the whole thing up on the screen and they can graph and they can show you how well you did. My speed went up by over eight kilometres an hour when I was concentrating on the text message. And my ability to maintain the vehicle within its lane dropped by about thirty percent. Yeah, see I can tell,
5: yeah. you will say, how shocked you are by that. I
4: was, made blown away. There you
5: go. And this is someone who's got millions of kilometres of driving under their belt, right? So, and this is the thing that we need to make people realise. Yeah. But by telling them, yeah. going, oh, p- making a million-dollar TV ad yeah. and putting it on TV. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. Getting
4: them in a simulator yeah. and showing them the numbers. Well, we've got a course. Yeah. I've got a
5: brilliant, designed by leading road safety scientist. Yeah course that we have for youth it's for anybody but yeah. we're focused on youth to try and get them through safely and, and learn things that are going to help them with their, their driving progress
6: mm.
5: it's a full day course mm. and we can't get funding to wow. to do this course no one wants to know about it wow right corporate are too worried about making money uh government just don't believe in driver training yeah they won't even come and look at it We can't get funding to do it because we subsidise it, heavily subsidised, so we can try and give every kid the opportunity to come and do it, not just those that have got money. And again, that's another issue. We can't get funding to do it. And these are the things, right, that we do in our course to make the cognitive learning and people see to the pants actually practical, not telling them. If if the government gave us one ad budget, we could put through 5,000 kids through our course. Wow. But they won't even do that. Yeah. If we had the money for one death that they estimate the cost of, yeah. it's something like 10,000 kids we could put through yeah. our course.
4: No, well, a, and, like,
5: and this is what we're dealing with. And you need cognitive, practical learning to yeah. be to be safe. And then you know what safe means.
4: Yeah, that's right. Own. Well, I can tell you, mate, and I'm sure you will agree, well, my sponsors of my show, NTI in Australia, heavily involved in supercars in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Stone Racing, with yep. them, you probably know who they are. Yeah, of course I do. They spend a bit of money on simulators and stuff, don't they? Yep. Do you think that they uh, would spend money on simulators for their drivers if they didn't work? That's right.
5: They work. They 100% work. I mean, it's it's a reprogram. So you've got a phone, yeah. right? But it's got operating system from 10 years ago. Well, yeah. it's, it's not up to date. It yeah. doesn't do the things that it's supposed to do, yeah. right? Why won't, aren't we updating yeah. operating systems and people? Yeah, yeah. You've got to do that. I mean, yeah, you get a license when you're 17 in New Zealand. You don't have to do a goddamn thing other than pay a fee and renew it yeah. every whatever 10 years or whatever it is. Crazy, you never man. have to update your skill set. Things don't change in a 10, 20, 30, yeah. 40 year period. Yeah. Are you kidding? And we learn from our mistakes if we manage to survive. But we're quite prepared to go and do something to professionally develop ourselves yeah. to, for a new job or, you know, to get another step of education or a certificate or whatever so I can go and do this, 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 this yeah. to better ourselves in that respect. But we're not prepared. You know, you imagine if right now, I mean, we should be doing some form of, when you renew your license, a competency test. Yeah. Not do a pass-fail test, but do a competency upgrade yeah. certificate to yeah. go, I've done this upgrade, I've done a course, yeah. right, and here's the certificate to prove it, and then you can get your licence yeah. renewed. Well,
4: we should be doing it. We should. Anyway, I, I can go on for too long well, in this podcast. People could, will be turning off by now. No, you. no, we can, yeah. we can go on forever. Yeah, Eyes up New Zealand yeah. is the thing. Where's that available to be
5: listened to, mate? Oh, no, that's our course next year. The Depot is our podcast. The Depot. Oh, uh, yeah, so you can download that. So go to the depot.co.nz It's available on all the mainstream podcast,
4: podcast platforms. platforms. The
5: platforms Depot.
4: Stuff. The Depot.
5: D-E-P-O-T. That's it. All right, You mate. got it. Well done. Yeah, we're just mostly industry, talking to some interesting people about industry yeah. and, and stuff and learning a lot about different businesses and the challenges and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah.
4: Greg Murphy,
6: mm.
4: road safety advocate. Yeah, Former supercar talk driver. Too much. yeah. So do I. Mm. I could talk underwater with marbles in my mouth. I realise that, yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Welcome. Glad you came and
5: visited the truck show here in Christchurch, mate.
4: Thank you.
3: Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you.
4: Got me there, Andy. Gotcha go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, it's no joke really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing, more to the point these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger.
0: Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes.
4: They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland Rail. Yeah, good looking too, just like us.
0: (laughs) This safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. Well, it's that time of the year where our Aussie music artists try to take a bit of a break over Christmas just like the rest of us. They're saving their new music releases for the new year, so we've got our music interviews on hold until then. In the meantime, we're going to spotlight some of the artists you may or may not be familiar with, just to make sure we keep the great Aussie music coming your way until the explosion of new singles rolls out in January. This week, we're featuring a young First Nations singer-songwriter who sings straight from the heart. Born in our nation's capital, Canberra, and surrounded by music pretty much all his life, he was determined to become a guitarist, teaching himself the basics and developing his skills through programs for emerging indigenous artists in the region. He cites his influences as In Excess, Troy Cassadaly, Bruce Springsteen and Brian Adams, to name a few, and his music was always destined to tell the stories of what he knows and where he comes from. Now, judging by the early industry rave reviews he's been getting and the incredible enthusiasm of his audiences, this young bloke is most certainly up there as one of the hotter than hot new Aussie artists to keep an eye on into the future. Just released this week, here with his latest single is Stuart Barton with Waiting On You.
7: It's midnight Wondering if you're even going to ring but Did you not want to talk to me Ought you just fall asleep In these times it's running around I don't mind Waiting on you If you Till the morning light, I don't mind waiting on you. Taking hours to reply, and I'm checking every five. I don't mind waiting on you, on our first day, You were over ten minutes late I wondered if you were gonna show up at all And On our second day, You were late again I was scared You just got back from friends Did you not want to meet with me Aren't you just sleeping in these times, it's spinning around? I don't mind waiting on you, if it means staying up all night till the
1: This is Colin Millie, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy.
0: Something to talk about is brought to you by Only Trucks and Credit One. Buying your next truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au.
4: I have stacks of stuff sitting there in folders waiting for me to read it. I sometimes get back to read it in a timely fashion and sometimes I don't. I've had a bit of a troll around here and I found an article written by a bloke named Frank Black. Now, I've never met Frank, but I know who he is. He was for a long time an owner-driver rep on the ATA Council. It's amazing to me how much Frank and I think along the same lines on a lot of things. I'd love to meet Frank one day. I really would. Anyway, I found this article where Frank's talking about the danger of dispensing with the work diary. I've got to say that I agree with him. He's saying that the work diary is the last line of defense for the drivers and owner drivers to prevent the companies from pushing them too far. He is looking at it rather than being an enforcement and revenue raising tool, which a lot of us do look at it that way. As being a tool that we can use as drivers to say, you know, there's only a certain amount of hours in the day, what more do you want? And I agree with Frank, it's certainly the case. Now, everyone agrees that the logbook system is broken. It's a broken beast. It has been for many years. It's prescriptive, it takes into no consideration different drivers' ability to do different things. As I've said before, I can quite comfortably sit in the seat for six hours and drive. Some people can only manage a couple of hours. It is in no way a good system. A one-size-fits-all approach really is. So the ATA have obviously had quite a bit to say about it. They don't like the logbook. They're frustrated with the lack of industry reform over the years. They say that they need a solution. They've proposed this Road Transport Act that Trevor Warner and I had a long conversation about. Ordinarily, you'd think these things are a great idea. Pitch the logbook out the window, right? Let's just do what we like. And I can understand the attraction of that to guys that are on trip money. I really can. Because obviously, the more they get to do, the more money they make. And that's the incentive, isn't it? That's why the ATA love it. They don't want the companies paying hourly rate. They don't want the companies paying penalty rates. They want to keep drivers on trip money. Peace workers. That's what they want. They want to whip you to do as much as you possibly can so they can pay as little as possible for it. I'm not saying Frank's saying that. I'm saying that. Physical log books, they're frustrating, they're outdated and the fines for the minor infractions are things like not putting your home base in, for example, when you get a new one. They're just over the top. People don't seem to realise that the change to an electronic work diary, even though it may be a change in the way you do things, you can't sort of fudge the numbers anymore. It's got to lead to a level of admission that if you've got to fudge the numbers in your paper book, you probably haven't been you know, colouring within the lines to start with and that's another conversation. A positive change to something like an electronic work diary isn't a bad thing. It affords you that level of protection from your unscrupulous freight forwarder, but it also affords you a level of protection against those pathetic paperwork fines that cost you so much money. Frank talks about a deadly pressure and he says the idea of handing transport companies complete control over a driver's work hours, and that would somehow make trucking safer and more efficient, would be hilarious if it wasn't so serious. And he's absolutely correct. Removing the driver's ability to independently document their hours is one of the only tools that we've got to limit the pressure. As I've said, so any drivers in the industry can tell you that companies like to make the call and suggestions about how we work, and this really just doesn't work. Setting of deadlines for drivers isn't practical, doesn't make sense, it doesn't allow for what happens down the road. I can look at the job and say I'm going from Sydney to Melbourne, back to Brisbane, and how long it should take but look at what's going on out there right now. We've got flooding, we've got detours, we've got traffic issues, we've got roadworks. No way in the world can I predict with any certainty how long it's going to take me to do that trip. If I'm on trip money, I'm obviously not going to be mucking around, am I? But if I'm on hourly rate, I'm going to get paid what I deserve and I'm going to be careful about what I do and I'm going to do the job as safely as possible. I'm not saying the guys on trip money aren't doing that. Don't take it the wrong way. But the reality of it is there's a different attitude between guys on hourly rate and guys on trip money. That's another issue. Refining electronic logbooks and rolling them out is something that's important. It's something that really should happen. I won't be surprised if it doesn't become mandatory soon for everyone to have electronic logbooks anyway. People are going to scream about that. They're not going to like it. But that's the way it's going to be, I think. The ATA has called the reforms that are going on at the moment a circus. You know what a circus is? A circus is the ATA doesn't represent drivers. They never have. They never will. You look at the people who have been driver representatives there and what they stand for and what the ATA doesn't says. Look at who's supporting the ATA and their member groups, and then you'll know what they think and what they really want. You know how to get hold of me if you want to. Mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Give me a call, 0418722488. 488 Keep it safe out there. We'll see you on the road. Got there, Andy. Yeah, got gotcha you go. You gotta love that big breaking at the roadhouse.
0: Oh, you're not wrong. It's a great feed. Hey, was that Davo's truck that came in, spluttering and coughing like an old tractor?
4: Yeah, mate. I think it's about time you upgraded the old girl.
0: Yeah, roger that. Though It's a bit of a nightmare shopping for a new rig.
4: Doesn't have to be, mate. Found this place called Only Trucks. An online one-stop shop for buying and selling trucks. All the best makes and models. It's associated with Credit One. Organise the finance for you. You can deal with the seller's directly through the website. Cut out the middleman. Save time and money. Sounds like the way to go. Where do I find them? Too easy, mate. Go to onlytrucks.com.au and it's all laid out there for you.
0: You should send Davo a text and tell him to go to Only Trucks, not get a new rig. Might just buy you a beer or three.
4: Davo, he wouldn't shout if he was bit by a shark, mate.
0: <laughs> Upgrading your truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au. Hey
2: everybody, this is Tony Justice, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Handy. Line number one: You're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you doing, just smile and tell them, never better.
0: We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well.
7: Truth be told.
0: On the road news is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. G'day, Mike! Great to hear you're home safe, mate. Please tell me you haven't come back with a Kiwi accent.
4: <laughs> Very nearly learned how to speak with a Kiwi accent, mate. But I am glad to be home. We touched down in Sydney and said to the uh, customs officer, he "Said, have you got anything to declare?" And I said, "Mate, I declare I'm happy to be back in Australia." Yeah.
0: Understandably, too.
4: And he said, you're good to go, son. That's what he said to me. Oh, good.
0: Well, you know, apropos of your recent royal tour of the land where the men are men and the sheep are nervous, (laughs) I I figure you have a lot of new Kiwi friends, and after my joke last week, I probably don't have any, so...
4: No, you've got none, mate. They were talking about it, let me tell
0: you. Uh, So I decided it might be advisable not to offer another Kiwi joke of mine this
4: week.
0: Oh, no? So I found someone else to do it for me.
4: (laughs) Good on you, well done. <laughs> yeah, here's English
0: funny man Michael McIntyre with his take on the Kiwi accent.
4: Oh, uh, here
1: we go. New Zealand's amazing, I love New Zealand. Um, but it takes 24 hours, as you know, to get there from here and that's a, that's a day of your life gone, just gone, it's insane. And the jet lag is monumental. So I landed in Auckland, New Zealand. And I thought I've got to get onto the time zone as quickly as possible. So I pulled out the bezel of my watch and I said to the stewardess, excuse me, what's the time difference here? I just want to get, get onto the new time difference, time zone. What's the time difference here? She so went, it's 12 years ahead, the time difference in new Zealand. It's 12 years ahead. We're 12 years ahead on New Zealand. So I started to wind my watch. Twelve hours. And I noticed my peripheral vision. She was looking at me like I was an idiot. I oh, what's the problem? She needs to jog on. <laughs> I'm not about eight hours in and I realised, oh right, I'm going to land in exactly the same place that I started. <laughs> so, so rather than look a fool, I wound it back. Thank you, I'll be fine from here. Thank you for your help. But they do—they talk like that <laughs> in New Zealand. They see the talk right on the front of the mouths market. Like yeah, it's <laughs> quite fast, it's quite pacey. And basically they just change the veils, they have a strange relationship with veils. They get to a veil and they just pick another one and go with that one instead. <laughs> so but New Zealand is all about changing the veil. And I had a bit of an incident on account of this vowel-changing situation, and I'm going to be honest, and upfront. it was quite rude. Um, but it's funny. When <laughs> I was checking into the hotel in Auckland, um, she wanted to tell me, the receptionist, about this new swimming pool that they built on the sixth floor. Six. The sixth floor um, and surrounding the pool was a deck uh, with an E. (laughs) It was known as the deck and in the lift it went the deck. (laughs) I was checking in and she said, so while you're staying here Mr McIntyre, are you going to spend some time sitting on the dick? (laughs) That is an astonishing (laughs) assumption to make of me. She said there's a lovely big dick on the sixth floor. (laughs) There's a lovely big dick on the sex floor. (laughs) What kind of a place is this? She said, The dick is just for hanging out. No, it isn't. (laughs) Careful, it can get a little bit slippery up there. It's (laughs) hardwood. Oh, please.
4: Oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> oh, man, funny, funny guy. He's the guy that also does the thing with the text messages. Oh, yeah. Have you seen him? He gets someone's telephone. Yeah. And he sends text messages to all the contacts. He did one like one of the models or something, and he said that she was going to get in a nude painting or something. Okay. And when sent the text to the dad. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> he wanted some grapes to put in front of the naughty bit. Oh, yeah. Funny, funny guy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mike, there's a looming pallet crisis threatening deliveries of food, groceries and medicines to retailers, according to Road Freight New South Wales.
4: Yeah, and old mate, Simon O'Hara has identified a problem we've all known to be true for a long, long time. Mm. And that is that the pallet hire arrangements that we endure are just not fair. Mm. Right Now, the sender and the receiver are the ones that should take responsibility for the pallets. Yep but they never ever seem to, that they like to transfer the pallets out of their care and control to get away from the, you know, the charges from the pallet hirers. Cost the industry a fortune, and the pallet renters, the rent seekers, for the want of a better description, are getting away with it. Mm. Now, hirer said is ludicrous, and the nature of pallet arrangements means it is members are paying for pallets that they don't even use. Yep. So what happens is, for those who, who aren't aware of how the pallet situation works, you know, it's not an issue for you if you're towing a tip truck or something or a tanker because I, you know, I haven't played with the pallet for a long time. Mm. Your load comes to you on the pallets and often there's a pallet transfer docket and oftentimes they'll transfer the pallets to the account of the company that's in its product. Mm. When in fact what they should be doing is transferring it directly to the person who's receiving. Now there are all sorts of excuses presented as to why that can't happen and ultimately you get to the other end and if they don't want to accept the pallets they'll give you exchange pallets or something like that And companies end up, as they say, paying for pallets they don't even use. There are actually now more materially CHEP pallets in the market than there were at the same time last year or pre-pandemic. And more than CHEP have had in their 70-year history. We can't just blame CHEP. There are several pallet manufacturers, and they all operate under the same silly rules. The size of the pallet force continued to increase. And why that happened was because during COVID while we were suffering through all that, hmm. manufacturers were stockpiling the pallets to put their product on that was sitting in their warehouses. Okay. And that sort of took pallets out of the market. And of course, the pallet manufacturers and renters responded to that. But they want to be paid. Yep. And that's what they do. So there's been a range of media reports about uh, shortages in the pallet sector. The ACCC are now looking into it. Grab your popcorn. It could get interesting.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I was down at the local dump last weekend, weekend before just getting a load of green waste out of the it. Yeah. And there, there was a tabletop came in and it would have been loaded probably 10 foot high. Yeah. With pallets, little crane down at the scrap wood section, just dumping it all.
4: Well, plain ones.
0: I didn't look close enough to see what they were, but whatever they were, they were just getting dumped.
4: If they'll pay to the blue or brown, mate, they're worth money. Go and get them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I tend to collect the plain ones because they're good for woodworking, but that's another story. Yep. eh? Mm. moving on. A veteran owner-operator has slammed the general road infrastructure in Queensland, calling Premier Palaszczuk to travel on them herself as a passenger in a truck for a day.
4: Well, yeah, and a pallet Jack's got no idea what's going on out there, mate.
0: <laughs> Another pallet still.
4: <story. laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, Queensland roads have been diabolical for a long time. I was up there a couple of weeks ago before I went to New Zealand. It took me nearly eight hours to go from the north side of the gateway hmm. through to Bejewel, which is about 25, 30 south of Rockhampton. That's normally a six-hour drive, six-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah, And it's all because of the roadworks. There's roadworks up there that have been finished that are now starting to fall apart. Yeah. It's a joke. Yep. We don't know how to build a road properly in Queensland or anywhere else in the country it seems.
0: Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine too many truckies that would want to have Premier Palaszczuk in their cab for a day. But anyway.
4: No, I don't think I'd like to have her in the cab beside me for the day. Either Cher wouldn't get out her alive or I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I think my head would explode because I just can't deal with it. Yeah. Mate, the potholes, the failed infrastructure, everything's just being band-aided. The blokes have got a right to wonder what happens. I mean, you damage your truck. They don't take any responsibility for the damage in your truck. Mm. And as the old saying goes, mate, our vehicles are supposed to be roadworthy, but the bloody roads aren't vehicle worthy.
6: Vehicle worthy, yeah, true.
4: It's ridiculous. Mind you, the blokes driving a Coronado, so bits fall off those (laughs) anyway. Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs)
0: Let's Keep moving.
4: Keep moving. Hannafie had a bit to say about it too, didn't
0: he? He did, yes. Saying that he's not seeing evidence of any of the money promised by the Queensland Government to fix flood-damaged roads being well spent.
4: Yeah, well, you can go to bigbridges.com.au and you can uh, check out the story from a few days ago. Old mate Rod Hannafie said that he's been hearing about all these well-meaning plans from State Government to fix flood-damaged roads. Rod makes the point that the roads haven't been properly maintained to a reasonable standard for years. Hmm. I was having a chat with him the other day and he said to me that his great fear was that they'll go around now and they'll repair the roads to the parlous state they were five years ago.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, and they weren't good enough then. No. <laughs> Things have to be fixed properly. Yeah. I mean, they carry on like two Bob watches about building a new intersection on some bit of road somewhere. New intersections aren't what we're interested in. Let's get some decent bloody roads. He's pointed out there are bits of road out there that haven't lasted a month before they've got puddles in them again. Yep. They don't pack the buddy asphalt down properly. Is it? I mean, they've got this idea now—this cold mix stuff—that they just throw on with a shovel. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. A couple of trucks drive through it, and it's all over the place. It's a waste of time and money. Yeah. So, I mean, the House Representative Standing Committee—they're concerned about it because committees are always concerned about uh, about things.
0: That's why they're standing. Yeah.
4: That's right. That's why they're standing. <laughs> uh, very, very upset. It doesn't matter where you go. I mean, you'll go and read the story. There's a whole lot of different places that have all got the same thing to say. Blake named Hall has said, the roads are in bad shape and have been for many years. Tell us something we don't know, mate.
6: Yeah. We've
4: got to admit that the floods have done a hell of a lot of damage. All the water rolling around the place. I was up through Condoble and there earlier, about three or four weeks ago now. The actual bitumen was under the water. Now, that's not good for it. No. Big Rigs has joined forces with the Australian Trucking Association to put pressure on state authorities to do better. And I'm sure they're feeling the pain. they would be looking at it and going, yep, right, hey what do we do now? Yeah. The road managers are the people who are responsible. And if we got Adam Gibson on to talk about road managers, I can tell you now, the air would be blue. Mm. Because Adam gets so frustrated with these guys. We've had several conversations. I know I'm putting Adam's weights up here by saying this. Yeah. But he sort of seems to think that the road managers think the money for road maintenance is coming out of their pockets. Yeah, That's the way they think about it. Mm. It comes out of our pockets. We're spending a bloody fortune in excises, taxes, every time we go to the pump. Half of what we spend in fuel is revenue for the government. We're not seeing any of it on the roads anywhere. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the roadworks, though, I mean, to the credit of the Queensland government, by gee, the Bruce Highway's going to be sweet when it's finished, isn't it?
4: Yep. <laughs> when it's, I'll, I'll be dead before it's finished, mate. It won't be in our lifetime.
0: Yep. I've never known it not to have roadworks anyway. Yep. Still in Queensland, Mike, the heavy vehicle unit at the Department of Transport and Main Roads has put the state's truckies on notice that they will face significant traffic changes on the infamous Cunningham's
4: Gap. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
4: You can't work this out, can you? We've got a situation now where the eastbound down track on the Toowoomba Range is out of commission because the thing wasn't built properly.
6: Hmm.
4: We've got the situation now where we've got PBS vehicles running through the middle of Toowoomba and we've talked about how dangerous that is. Yep. So let's just stuff up the roads from the west into Brisbane all together and just make truckies' life absolutely f***ing impossible coming up Christmas Yeah. And, 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 and root up the Buddy Cunningham's Gap as well. Why not? Why not? Hmm. It does my head in. Do they think, oh, Jesus, the truckies are going a different way. We might need to start some roadworks here just to muck <laughs> them up a little bit. God, save me from stupid people. Yeah. Temporary road closures will communicate be communicated well in advance through electronic roadside signage on the highway.
6: Yeah.
4: Uh, I mean, thank you. Thank you very much. That's terrific. I don't dispute that any of this work needs to be done. Cunningham's Gap has been a very interesting way to come into Brisbane for a long time.
0: long time.
4: Well, I say interesting with my tongue firmly in my cheek. Yep. I always used to like to stop at the BP at Arachula, the old BP, not the new one. That was a good one, that. Yeah, I used to go in there. When I was known a driver, I used to buy my fuel there and go in and get a couple of toasties and stuff. There were great people in there. A good
0: hangout haunt for the bikers, too
4: yeah yeah yeah. no, it was always good. Mm. so they're going to try and sort out the continuous rockfall protection, the rockfall catch fence, and reinstating the slow lane up there and installing some slope monitoring cameras. <laughs>
0: <Thank> God, <laughs> sake. God bless him.
4: Oh, what do you say? yeah, and they're going to relocate a pedestrian crossing, yeah, and that all needs to, to happen right now. How much do they spend on this crap? They've got a lovely computer-generated fly-through mm. for you to sit there and about how great it's going to be when it's
6: done. Yeah.
4: Just get on and do it. Indeed. God's sake. <laughs> Indeed. We've got to move on, mate. I'm about to have a stroke.
0: Yeah. You've been busy writing again, Mike, with a piece of yours in Big Rigs this week about the planned steering committee to be set up by the federal government. It will decide where the $140 million promised by Labor before the last election for upgrades and construction of rest areas should be spent. What did you have to say, Mike?
4: Well, the thing that disturbed me about it, I mean, I obviously have been a supporter of this little project from day one. Hmm. In fact, I wrote an article before the election. I said that the Labor Party had the best position for road transport prior to the election.
0: Surprised a lot of us in the process, yes.
4: You know, I I sort of put my politics aside because I'm a confirmed righty. Hmm. And I thought, well, we've got to move to the middle a little bit. These guys seem as though they've got a a bit of a plan. I mean, for God's sake, the Liberal Party didn't have a plan. Hmm. And I like Stirl a lot. I regard him as a friend. Hmm. And I've looked him in the eye and I I, I believe in my heart that he will do the best he can to get a good result for transport.
6: Hmm.
4: Every time I've ever spoken to him, that's been the case. I was a little bit surprised, though, to find out that the suits that are going to be sitting on this uh, committee, and I didn't think there were going to be any, but it turns out that politics is what it is and nothing's set in concrete, so there's going to be a few suits there. Where they're coming from, I don't know. I'm expecting them to come from the likes of the ATA, Nat Road, and I'm hoping that the NRFA are going to have a representative there, and maybe the VTA or something like that will put one there, but Mm. who knows, it might actually be an infrastructure person from the government. I've got no idea about the make-up of the committee. Mm. I know i put my hat in the ring to take one of the driver's seats. Mm. I'm expecting that Rod Hanafy would get one. I'm surprised that Rod's got to express his interest in it. I mean, the man should be a walk-up start. Mm. If there's someone in transport in Australia that's actually done more on a more consistent basis to advocate for drivers about proper fatigue breaks and rest areas. I'd like to meet them. Yep. Rod's glory and reflective program is the best bang for its buck. Road safety fatigue initiative I've ever seen or heard about. You know, anyone that's assessing this sort of thing will say so, I'd even like to quote Adam Gibson again. He reckons it's just awesome, that program.
0: It is. You're saying about the suits, they're, they're all getting paid, I believe.
4: They are. They're all going to get paid. They're all going to get their allowances if they come from outside. I mean, their organisations will be paying them to be there. Mm. I know that if an NRFA representative goes, they won't be getting paid because the NRFA, everyone that does that and sits in the positions on the NRFA, we're all volunteers. Yep. they are all mostly truck drivers. Mm. You know, and when the question gets asked, who is slept in a buddy rest area in the last month the truckies will be able to put their hand up, but I really, really sincerely doubt any of the suits will be able to. Yeah. The reality is the drivers would like to participate, but here's the thing, if you're a driver and you're on trip money mm. When you're going to go down there, there's going to be three sittings, apparently. So, you know, if they're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the reality for them is that they're going to have to basically give up a week's work to go by the time you travel backwards and forwards and attend the meetings and things like that. Yep. You know, you've got the kids at home, you've got the houses to pay for, you know, put a roof over the head, put a bloody food on the table. You can't afford to be putting your hand in your pocket to pay for an airline ticket and a room in a motel and hopefully get it reimbursed. Yep. As I've said, what's a reasonable expense for a politician compared to a reasonable expense for a truckie? Yeah. You've only got to look at how much we can claim on our tax for living 200-plus nights on the truck compared to what public servants can claim for spending a weekend in Canberra.
6: Mm.
4: I was incandescent when I heard about it. Really? The good news of it is that we had a bit of a chat, some of us at the NRFA, and they've decided to start a GoFundMe to try and sort of raise a bit of money to help the guys. If you want to go and you know, hopefully your employer would support that and support you with a bit of leave etc mm. but the nrfa have started to go fund me to try and raise a bit of money to defray the other expenses and obviously i i believe that we will be looking at a central booking system to book rooms and flights and things like that so that the drivers don't actually have to put their hand in their pocket to find the money for those things yeah and obviously all that stuff i've been told can be claimed back but we don't know what the reasonable expenses are. I mean, for me, reasonable. I'd like three or four nights in the Hilton, thanks, and I'll have a bottle of Dom when I get there.
0: Well, the same as the suits will get, anyway, at least.
4: Well, it's perfectly reasonable. Absolutely. Depends on who you are, I suppose, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I mean, if you're a singer or something like that, you can actually have jelly babies put in your room, a bowl full of jelly babies, and have all the black ones taken out if you want.
0: Oh, absolutely. Or the green ones. Mate, if I was playing down there, I'd ask for nothing less. Yeah.
4: Yep. Anyway. I'm concerned that the drivers don't get a fair go. I want everyone to get a fair go, and that's what I've said, and obviously they don't if they agree with it because they're going to raise a bit of money if you're out there and you can afford to throw a couple of bucks at it. Remember, guys and girls, we use the rest areas. Mm. Anything that we get out of this is going to be to your benefit in the end. For sure If you can put in twenty fifty a hundred bucks I've donated already, please take one for the team and donate to the cause because it is a cause.
0: Yeah. Get into the Rigs and have a read of Mike's story there. Yeah. It's a good one. Now, there's a rumour you might have a bit of breaking
4: news for us, Mike. <laughs> Even there you go. you got the sound effect this time. Now.
0: Fantastic.
4: Tyro truckie Joshua Mark Bullock has filed an $850,000 negligence lawsuit for a rollover that he had. Mm-hmm. Claiming that uh, he's got post-traumatic stress disorder resulting in the loss of his job. Bullock alleges that he suffers from intrusive thoughts and dreams. Now, look, I've got no doubt that the man does, to be honest with you.
0: I have a few of them as well.
4: Well, I've got intrusive thoughts and dreams, but they're about my ex-wife. But anyway. Oh, okay. (laughs) Bullock had been driving between Ernest Henry and the Mount Colin Mines when the incident occurred in 2019. And he claims that the brakes failed. Grab your popcorn, boys and girls, because there's a real he said she said going on here. Yeah. His employer, that's Queensland Bulkhaulage College, has denied the brake failed before the truck rolled, or mm. that an object struck the brake line, because there's an absence of any evidence to support the claim. <laughs> they reckon that he was driving too fast when he rolled over. That's usually what causes it. Inappropriate speed.
0: A lot of the time, it does. Yeah.
4: So he's obviously a little bit miffed. They reckon that they fired him because he refused to take a drug test and that's instant dismissal in any business. Uh, We all know that.
6: Yeah, yeah.
4: So somewhere in the middle there's truth, but who knows where it is? That's the latest story out on bigrigs.com.au. Over to you, Andy.
0: Follow that one with interest. Now, just one more thing quickly, Mike. As our loyal listeners will know, we bring out special bonus episodes from time to time. A bit of an added value thing, if you like. Yeah. Well, stay tuned, folks. Early next week, there'll be a bonus on the road episode featuring a great interview with Joel Burge from Queensland Rail. It's an in-depth look at how QR work hard behind the scenes to keep us all safe on the road and to keep the trains running. So keep an eye out for that one coming your way early next week. Mike, your thought for the week? Yep. It is our mistrust of the future that makes it hard to give up the past.
4: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, mate, I tell you what, I I struggle to trust these days. I really do. Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't think you're Robinson Crusoe on that either.
4: No, no. All
0: right, matey. Good to catch up. Yep. Have a good one. Stay
4: safe. We'll do our best. Cop you later. Bye. Bye.
0: For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au G'day,
2: it's James Johnston here, and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy.
0: Taking us out of the show this week, here's one of our great mates and a superstar of the Aussie music scene. It's the killer voice of James Johnston with a heartfelt ballad written for his new baby son. It's called Anything Like Me.
4: Every
2: sunrise. I wonder if you'll feel the same about a melody when a song hits just right. I guess I'll have to wait and see. We'll really?
0: Brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says...
5: You want to put yourselves on the map?
0: Mike says... There's all sorts of things that you can do. And Andy says... Can I just rephrase that? In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.
2: I'm gonna give him everything I got to get started on this ride. Yeah, but in the end, it's up to him. If he moves away at 17 with a dream without a dollar And gets some scars from breaking hearts Then calls home to his mom Yo